Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? It's good to have you. It's good to have you. It's just, uh, we are, um, we got sun for now. You know, we'll see how that, see how that goes, but we have sun for now. It's, it's a trip this year, but does that mean, I wonder if June will actually have sun since May didn't? Well, maybe it's, you know, global warming and all, you never know. You know maybe it all got messed up. I don't know. Uh, sorry, I digress. Uh, hey, you know, one of the things we've been doing um, is we've been doing some connection with church and culture. It's just a a two, three-minute thing that I do in the beginning so that we're aware. You know, you've got to be aware of the culture around you and what is going on. Too many times Christians have their eyes closed and they disconnect culture and uh, what is happening So in church. And I, I, this one today is, is it's wild, but, but here's what it is. Uh, this week, there was an article, and I read it on Twitter. It said, uh, the scantily clad witches caught munching on deer carcass in bizarre security cam footage. This is not a joke. I saw the footage. Basically, this guy put out a carcass because he wanted to see what animals he would attract, and he had night vision on it. What he found out when he looked at the film the next day, two women, half naked, eating as a ritual. USA Today, we're in the middle of a witch moment. Hip. That's what they're telling your children. That's what they're telling our grandchildren. That's what they're telling our kids. Hip. Witchcraft is on the rise in the U.S., Church, we need to wake up. We've got to be aware of these things. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6. This has nothing to do with my message, sorry. But it says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers and the present, this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. There is a war that is going on in our culture. Be aware. That's all I'm saying. Be aware. Acknowledge. Know that it is happening. So let's get to what our message series is on right now. Does that work, that transition? I don't know, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Um, we're in a series on discipleship and, and talking about Jesus' disciple. Discipleship is a mandate that Jesus gave to all of us. If you have a relationship with him, if you're a Christian, the mandate is discipleship. Our scripture is this in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for these men and women. Lord, for this beautiful sunny day. God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, let us be men and women who know you that are aware of, of the spiritual battle that is going on. God, that we might fight for our children, that we might fight for our marriages, that we might fight for truth and righteousness. God, that we might be a light in the midst of darkness. And God, I thank you that we have the hope that you win. God, we know the end of the story. And God, let us stand and be men and women who disciple others and pour our lives 
out for others, and it's not just about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had an interesting, uh, Billy Graham said this. Let me start with Billy Graham said this. We get quotes that we're doing. I've used this one before, but he says, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. That's one of the things we've been talking about, the cost of discipleship, what that looks like. And I had an interesting conversation this week with a friend. And we're having this conversation, and he's going through some difficult times. And uh, uh, he said this, the Bible is not enough. He proclaimed the Bible is not enough. And let me tell you, I, I, I kind of got fired up. I got a little fired up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about the Bible is not enough? This word is sufficient. This word is enough. This word is powerful. In fact, it says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That's what Hebrews says. This word is truth. And he said it's not enough. And it, and it just kind of threw me into this a little bit of a tailspin. And I had this little... Uh, encounter with him. It, it wasn't an argument. It was an encounter. It was loud, but it was a loud encounter. You've had loud encounters before, you know. Um, so I was taken aback, and, and this is a, a, a Christian man, and I, I, I just didn't have any place to put it. And then I started to think, and I stepped back, and uh, I walked away from the conversation. I walked away from our time, and, and, I, and I started to think, you know, really, this is where, where does, for you who can grammatically be correct, unlike me, this is where does modern di discipleship breaks down in many ways. I didn't do, I thought I did spell check, I'm sorry. I was checking to see if you're awake this morning. All right. But it, as, <laughs> I spelled it right, right? Just grammatically not right. Um, as, as I started thinking about it, I, I started thinking this. This is actually where modern discipleship starts to break down. And, and I, I had to wrestle with it for a while because we say things like this. Have you ever heard? I grew up in a ministry. that uh, Chris grew up in a ministry. Melvin and, and Ramona, we grew up in a ministry that like they had equations. It was incredible. They said, just read your Bible, but don't just read your Bible. Meditate on your Bible. Renew your mind. Rem remember scriptures. Read your, your, what was the saying? An hour a day will keep the devil away. You ever heard that one? Read your Bible an hour a day and then keep the devil away. We should have that on bumper stickers. We would say all of these things, and in many ways, what we would do is we'd grab young people or we'd grab people that had just started in the relationship with the Lord, and we'd say these things, and you'd go, oh, I've got to read my Bible a day, an hour a day. Hey, I've got to meditate. We'd say all these things. Then all of a sudden, it became a math problem. It became an equation. And we started thinking... Like this, Bible plus one hour equals a great victory in my life. Or, or like Bible, Bible, the Word of God, plus Scripture memorization means that my life will be safe. It'll be good. Everything will go well. Bible plus meditation on this Word means that, that there'll be no sin in my life. We would infer these things. Bible plus a renewed mind, Romans 12, 1, renew your mind with the washing of the word, you know, that you may know God's will. Renew your mind meant that your marriage was just going to be perfect. And, and we'd put all these one plus one equals two out to the church. And when they didn't equal two, and when, when, when my 
hour a day didn't equal victory in areas that I struggled with in my life? When, when, when my meditation didn't eliminate sin from my life? When these things kind of didn't add up? It throws people into a tailspin. Is God really God, this God, and it says this, and you told me? And it's this mindset of Christianity that becomes a math problem, and it's not. It's not. See, those equations are true until they're not. Those, things, those equations are great from the pulpit. They're great when you sit up here and you go, read your Bible an hour a day. They're great when you're having coffee with someone and they're telling you about their, their difficulties in life and what they're struggling with. You go, are you meditating on your word? Are you reading your Bible? All those things. Now let me qualify this real quick because some of you are going to walk out of here or someone may be watching online and go, John doesn't believe in reading the Bible or John doesn't believe in meditation and John doesn't believe in, in, in memorizing Scripture. And that is not true. Hear me real clearly what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying. Do not misconstrue what I am saying. What I'm saying is this. God is not an equation. He's not an equation. One plus one does not equal two. He's other than. And the equations that we spit out to people are true until they're not. We can't forget the essence, the heart of, of this word. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a love story. From, from the first word spoken to the last word spoken, and everything in between is a relational love story about the creator of heaven and earth that wants to have relationship with you. That, 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 that God wants to encounter, wants you to encounter him. It's about relationship. We know this because in John 1.14 it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from father full of grace and truth the word became flesh jesus incarnate the word is now alive it has skin on it there there are bones and the bones are the word of god and then there's the flesh wrapped around the bones jesus just incarnate just takes all of that and it comes alive here we see in john 1 14. This is a game changer for Christianity. Look, here, here's what, how, one of the ways we differentiate Christianity from every other religion out there is that Jesus came and lived a perfect life. What, what separates Christianity from Islam, Hindu, all, every major religion is that the Creator came incarnate and walked and felt and experienced exactly what you and I experienced. Have you ever been in that situation and go, nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody understands. Nobody can happen. Nobody can feel what I'm feeling right now. Has anybody ever experienced that? I'm all alone and no one experienced it. And we can know that we know that Jesus came and experienced it all. He experienced it all. From rejection to humi being humiliated on the cross, to dying and giving his life for others. 
It's a game changer when the word became flesh because no longer was it just about words. It was about a man, Jesus. Everything changed. You see, the message of love and redemption that God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament had gone un, uh, unheeded for centuries. What happened is this. They didn't have this, this face-to-face encounter with God, and, and they'd fall into these sins over and over and over again in the Old Testament. People found it easy to disregard the message, and it just became legalism. You know what legalism is? You're just doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. It's not about a heart change. I'm going to read my Bible an hour a day because they told me I have to read my Bible an hour a day. Really? Let me, let me give you a picture there. I'm going to talk to Chris an hour a day because the guy at the marriage thing said, i got to talk to Chris an hour a day. Yay. <laughs> give me one woman in this place who wants her husband to be told that he's got to talk to you for an hour a day, and that's why he's talking to you. It's not the way relationships work. And in the Old Testament, it was like all of a sudden they had all these laws and they had all these decrees and they, they're like, they're just going through the motions. Going through the motions of life. But then the Messiah came. Then Jesus came. And he became flesh. He took on human form and dwelt among us, right in the middle of us. Beautifully woven together. Word and flesh. The Word of God with flesh on it. The Word of God in the form of a human like you and I. Fully God, fully man. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know what that means. I, it's hard to, can anybody conceptualize what does that mean? Fully God, fully man. Other than I know this, that God felt the weight of sin when he's on the cross. You ever felt the weight of your sin? That God, Jesus, felt that, that betrayal when everybody walked from him. You ever felt that betrayal? Jesus becomes fully God, fully man, and, and the word and flesh come together, beautifully woven together. Here's, here's the problem with just the word. If we just look at this, this word and just right here, here's the problem. Matthew 23 27 to 20. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like the whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you is full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What is he saying? The problem with just the word is it's just, it's religious acts. I've got to do this. I've got to come to church every week. Oh, John's going to make another joke about twice a month. No, I'm not. I've got to go do this. I've got to give. I've got to, I've got to pray. I've got to read. I've got to go hang out at this life group. I've got to go do all of those things. And when you don't, you feel this weight of, I, I, I can't do it. And it becomes this pharisaical, it just becomes this religious actions that we do as opposed to an encounter with Jesus. The problem with just the word by itself is it's religion. There's no life behind it. There are words that direct. In fact, it says that the word of God is, it's this light that just shines and and, and shows us and reveals to us who we are. Too frequently, Christianity is misrepresented as religion built on doctrine or the word. I'm going to pause again here and, and be real clear. I am this word. I stand on the truth of this word. Let's be real clear. 
Don't walk out of here and, and start going, call me a heretic. Because I believe in this word, but here's what happens. We misrepresent it is religion, not relationship. Tragically, this reduces the Christian life to nothing more than judgment, rules, condemnation, and forced rituals. Condemnation. You walk out and you just feel, ugh, the weight. The problem with just the flesh is this, Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. The problem is when it's just flesh is it becomes these emotions. It just becomes this, hey, you know what? This Jesus guy died on the cross for my sins. I can sin. I can go to church on Sunday, live like hell the rest of the week, and then come back again next Sunday, have a little communion, say hi to a couple of Christians, walk out of here and feel good about myself. And the flesh starts rationalizing, and emotionally we start down this journey that isn't true. Too frequently, Christianity is misrepresented as an emotional roller coaster, the flesh. Not truth, the word. Tragically, this reduces the Christian faith to be nothing more than emotional. Where's the latest, greatest preacher slash church? How do I feel? My feelings matter. Selfish Christians. That's the flesh. Word and flesh. There's this, this balance, this beautiful balance of Christ and the word became flesh. Everything changes. See, some of us here today are, are going, man, you're talking about everything changes in my life with this Jesus. But, but it, until you encounter Jesus, until you, you have relationship with Jesus, until you commune with Jesus, it's just religious acts. It's just religious acts. And it binds you up. And there's no freedom. What are the implications of John 1 through 14? The word becoming flesh. What are, what are the implications? It's this, as we said, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands what you're going through. He knows what sin you're struggling with. He knows the weight of that. He understands the rejection you're feeling. He understands the desperation that you feel. He understands all the emotions on two levels. One, he's the creator of heaven and earth. He's other than, and he created us. But even more importantly in this is that he came down and experienced it. How easy would it have been if Jesus never came to just go, you don't get it. You're God. But he felt it. He experienced it. He, he, he walked in it. So when my friend said the Bible is not enough, and I was highly offended, and I walked away and started thinking, I realized that he was right. What he was saying is this. 
I need men in my life to walk this out with, to keep me accountable, to challenge me, to, to pick me up when I'm down, to rebuke me, to encourage me, to stand with me, to walk with me. He was correct. The Bible is not enough. The Bible in and of itself is not what God meant it to be, just in and of itself, stand alone. It was a community of people. Discipleship is walking with someone that stands with you, that teaches you, that pours into you, that lives life and does life with you and brings you along in the truths of this word and encourages you in this thing. But if we just go, here's your Bible, read it for an hour a day and meditate on the word and we go, come back next week, we're completely missing scriptures and what Jesus was about. He, he clearly told 12 men, come and follow me. Drop everything that you're doing. Come and follow me. And they, they looked him in the eyes and they saw something different. And they dropped everything that they had to follow Jesus. They gave up family. They gave up wealth. They gave up fishing. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. And, and as I was thinking about my friend who is struggling, this is what he was saying. You know what, John? I'm reading the Bible like you said. You know what, John? I, I, I'm renewing my mind like you told me to do. You know, I, I'm trying to memorize Scripture. But, but if, if you don't walk beside me in this, if, if you're not willing to take time with me regularly, if you're not willing to... To, to look at my life and, and, and call a spade a spade, if you're not willing to take the time, the Bible isn't enough. Let me clarify. Be real careful here. I, I'm walking a, a fine line because I know how people think. I know how people think because the reality is this, the, the Bible is enough. The Bible is, scripture is, in, I, scripture is inerrant. This is truth. There are no errors. This is true. Scriptures are sufficient to reveal the way of salvation with the Holy Spirit. Sufficient, more than sufficient. Scriptures are sufficient to reveal the whole truth of God. This, this word is true. I stand on this word and what it says. When I live by the tenets of this word, when I live by the truth of this word, when I open this word, when I renew my mind, it changes me. When I take this word and I memorize, I'm able to use it. But it's not just that. I don't live in this, this, this vacuum by myself. It's with others. Yet too many of us walk alone. We do this Christian thing alone. But the reality is Jesus never meant you to. You're called to walk with. You go, I don't want to go to small groups. I'm not pitching small groups this morning. I don't even have a slide for them. But I'm telling you, something happens in small groups. I don't want to go to prayer. I'm not pitching prayer this morning. She pitched it, not me, so it's on her. I don't want to go to prayer. Something happens in that time. When, when Tracy and, 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 and Trisha and Chris and, and just whoever shows up, and, and I'm, I know I'm forgetting people, but whoever sits in that, and, and, and we spend a couple of minutes just engaging one another and having conversation, and then we talk about um, what we can pray for, and then, and then 
I'm on my phone the whole time, most of the time. But at first they're like, ah, you're a loser prey guy. You know, pastor's totally brutal. But, but I'm on there. I am, some of you have gotten texts from me. When we pray for you, I try to text you to let you know that I'm praying for you. So if you ever come and you see me on my phone, I'm not checking the scores, okay? I check the scores before this. So I am literally praying, saying, hey, we're praying for you today. We take in these prayers. There's something that happens when we come together in this time. Marilyn, when, you come, when we come together and we pray together, there's something powerful that happens in community. It's not just this word, but let me tell you, there's something powerful that happens when you jump into this word. There's something transforming when you jump into this word. There's something, a renewing that takes place when you jump into this word. I'm not not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. This word is critical in my life, but being locked and linked to other men is just as important. Where's Jeremiah? Is he walking the kid? Good, and I could talk about him. You know, if you know Jeremiah's story, you don't know it. I'll, I'll give a quick synopsis. I met him when he was 17 or 18, stealing ties to pay for his drug habit. And that's pretty, yeah, sorry, that's pretty rough. Pam's like, Pam and Steve are like, can you kind of talk to Jeremiah? I'm sorry, I, I didn't tell you, it was, it, the story's been told. He, he, and I went and saw him in an orange jumpsuit. And he wasn't at a dance. He was in, in county lockup. And uh, he came out, and, and God just grabbed a hold of his life. And uh, God allowed me to walk with him. And, you know, hey, what's going on? Here's the scripture. What are you going? You know, can I pray for you? Just that, that, that discipleship thing. Just walk along. And then, and then I told this story a little bit. And then and, you know, God's changing his life, and, and he's going to college, and, and he meets his wonderful wife, um, and, 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 and I remember we were at, across uh, 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 the street at, what was it, Wahoos, and he brings, brings her in. Ryan comes in with him, and at first I'm like, I don't like this chick at all. <laughs> she's trouble. Now today, he's trouble. You're unbelievable. <laughs> God gives him this incredible woman. And uh, we marry them. They start having kids. And we do church together, and we're family, and Pam and Steve, and all other, it's family. It's, it's, it's who they are. And, and uh, about a month ago, he calls me. He's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, jeez. You selling ties again? Um, <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm concerned about you. I'm like, you concerned about me? He's like, I, I, I really want to meet with you. I'm like, okay. Um, he's like, I, you need to slow down. You, you're, you're missing something. The Lord's doing something, and you're missing. Like, you know, your, your initial thought is being prideful, man, is, uh, who are you, tie stealer? He, he had this connection through this discipleship that he's willing to speak truth to me. You know, not many of you, I mean, you do, you do, but I mean, intimately going, hey, I see something in your life, John. I, I need you to stop. Melvin, you know, we have regular, and he'll, he'll say things too. And it goes, 
my, my point, I need others in my life. Dan speaks truth to me. Rick, I don't like what Rick says to me, but he'll speak truth to me. There's no filter. He just tells you truth. But I, I need men in my life. This isn't the, a Lone Ranger Christian deal. There's no such thing as solo Christian. It's discipleship. It's walking with others that, that just bring you along. There's no such thing as being a loner in the kingdom of God. And that's what my friend was saying. He's saying, John, I'm doing the things you tell me to do, but I'm struggling here. We're having difficulties here. I need you beside me to walk with me, to pull me out of, to, to, to tell me that's wrong, that's right. I can't see clearly sometimes. But it works both ways. Too many people in the church live in this vacuum of self. Yeah, I don't want you to get too close. I don't want you to tell me anything about my life. I don't want you to call out my sin. I don't want you to tell me why I'm not happy. That's just not the Bible. What are you saying is, is the Bible isn't enough. The Bible is more than enough, and the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to be a disciple walking alongside you. And some of us in here are, are, are having struggles in our lives. I'm telling you the answer is discipleship. I'm telling you the answer is relationship. I'm telling you the answer is, 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 is you walking in what God has called you to do. Some of you are going, I don't know what God's called you to do. Well, get in the Bible and find someone who does know what God's called them to do and watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. It's, it's Joey, who, Joey's a man of few words until he's not. Um, you know what I'm talking about. When, the, it's, it's, when he sits in this crowd, I, there's just security that I have because I know he's a man of truth, and he'll speak it to me. There's a, a peace that I have when I see him in this crowd. And, and I see all the, there's so many connections here that way. Some of you are going, I don't really have those connections. You can you can. Let, let me prove my point here. I'm going to prove my point by, by proving it through the thing that we said, the Bible's not enough. I'm going to prove my point there. The Word became flesh. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 1 Thessalonians, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Galatians 6, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live in the Spirit should restore that person gently, Ah, gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted to carry away each other's burdens and, and this way you will uh, fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 10, and let us consider how we may spurn one another towards the love and good deeds. Galatians 2, bear one another's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. Luke 17, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother is sinning, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Hebrews 10, not neglecting to meet together as the habits of son, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you did in the day drawing near. Lastly, Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him, don't announce it to the church. Go to him one-on-one. There's a whole other message in there. I'm not going there. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others with you, along with you. And every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be um, as the Gentile and the tax collector kicked out of the church. That's, that, that, I just reeled off, you know, seven, eight, and, and I, I don't have room for all the scriptures that talk about community of one another, of discipleship, of walking with another man or another woman, of, 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 of being vulnerable to another person. Christianity is about relationship with Jesus. From day one, God meant life to be done in a relationship with him and with others. It was never about just your relationship with Jesus. It was about, it was about your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with others. My question, who are the others in your life? Who are the others in your life? Who have you opened your life up to? Who, who are you walking with? that will pull you out of whatever that is and tell you the truth. Who is that? Who, who are you pouring yourself into? Who are you taking what God has blessed you with, the gifts that he's given you, the great things that he's given you, who are you pouring that into and pulling greatness out of? And whose life are you to others? Jesus is calling us to be discipled and to disciple. That there's someone that speaks into our life, but that we also speak into someone else's life. Jesus took 12 men, poured his life into them, died for them, died for us. And 12 men changed the world forever. Over 2 billion Christians today because of 12 men. We talked about the power of multiplication, the power of one the last couple weeks. But Jesus is calling you to be discipled and to disciple. Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is who we are at Pacific Point Church. Up, in, and out. This, this message, discipleship, is, is around what we believe God has called us, who he's called us to be, and what he's called us to do. First and foremost is our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Father, that, that vertical relationship. This is number one. It's important, and it happens through reading his word. It happens through prayer. It happens through meditation. It happens through memorizing scripture. But then it goes this way. It goes vertical in relationships with others. Horizontal, vertical, horizontal. No one called me out on that. That's pretty good. 
you guys sleeping or am I you just trying to be nice to the dumb guy? Um, the, 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 this relationship with one another is critical. And, 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 and the church is walking around out here and she's, you know, when I say the church, who am I talking about? You. You're the church. The church is walking out, around out here and, and the church is, is, is living in this compartmentalized world where they, they don't want anybody near them to really see how hurt they are or how jacked up they are or what they're dealing with or their fears or their insecurities. And, 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 and God says in his word that healing comes, we read that scripture in James, when you confess your sins to one another, when you walk with one another, one another healing comes in that relationship when you pray for one another. Up, our relationship with God. In, our relationship with one another. And then ultimately, out, which is sharing our grace stories with those who don't know Jesus. Taking your story and telling it. Taking your story and making a difference in someone else's life. That's who we are here. And that's who God has called us to be. Disciples. Disciples of Jesus. Not just observers. You're in the game. You're in the game. The question is, who are you in the game with? Who are you in the game with? Go and make disciples. Go and be a disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for the men and women in this church. God, I thank you for... Um, Men are willing to speak truth. Men are willing to grab a hold of someone else and pour into them. Women who are willing to speak truth and grab a hold of other women and speak truth into them. To walk them through difficulties. To encourage them during hard times. God, to lift up our arms during difficult times. God, I pray that, that even in this church that, that we would, Lord, um, we'd be disciples of Christ Jesus. And we'd disciple men and women into the faith, through the faith. I thank you for your son Jesus who gave us a picture of what that looks like. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as we stay in this attitude of worship, it's the time that we receive communion. And there's tables on either side, and in the backs there's tables also. And communion is a, is a holy moment. It's a time for you to take who you are to the cross and just realign whatever it is you're going through whatever you're holding on to, whatever your sin you're dealing with, whatever, whatever, you're taking it to the cross and laying it at the foot of the cross. And you're going, Jesus, I need you. If this message, if, if you heard it and you go, okay, but I, I don't know where we go from here or what that looks like, then, then go to the cross and, and say, Jesus, give me that man or woman. If you're the one that's going, I never really wanted to do that. And you go to the cross and you repent. You go, God, forgive me for being selfish. Forgive me for not wanting to pour into someone else the truth of your word. 
you don't just repent, you repent and you say, God, give me eyes to see that I might walk with another. There's power in the unity of the brother. God, as we receive this uh, elements this morning, the bread with represents your broken body, Jesus, and the, the juice that represents your blood that was spilled for us, oh God, that, that, Lord, we can be liberated, that we can be forgiven, Father God, that we can walk in freedom, Father God, that there's no more condemnation, there's no guilt, Father God, we're free in Christ. Lord, let us celebrate as we receive this morning. Father, we thank you. Jesus' precious name.